I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Oh Lord, a podcast where I, Alyssa Dykstrahouse, research the quirkier aspects of Chicago history, and then convey them to someone who most likely is unacquainted with the topic. Today I have Molly McAleer, host of Mother May I Sleep With podcast, and Trend Lightly. Welcome, Molly. Hi, honey. I'm so excited to do this. I'm so excited. I picked one that I think you'll enjoy, too. So, I know you did, because you know everything about Chicago. Miles, have you ever heard of the phrase, slipping someone a Mickey? Yeah, it's like roofing someone. It is like roofing someone. It's an old-timey way of saying it. In fact, I think Elliot Stabler probably referenced it in an early episode <laughs> of SVU. Absolutely. You can see him doing that. Yeah, I think, for me, the most memorable line is from Hard Duck Life, make or drink a Mickey Finn. So for right. any... Yeah, that's how I know it. Yes, okay. I mean, crazy that they were doing it all the way back then. Yeah. Well, there's a story. You're in for a bumpy ride here. So according to Merriam-Webster, the definition is a drink of liquor doctored with a purgative or a drug. But origin story is saucier than Alex Jones's text messages. <laughs> and those are pretty good those are pretty They're good pretty saucy yeah like saucy in that he's absolutely filthy wasted off of vodka all the time but juicy as well juicy yeah i want to get a trainer who brings me vodka but it's not working so we're going to talk about mickey finn a man born in either oklahoma indiana illinois or ireland i kind of feel like that last one would be obvious because accents he came so we we don't know who he, we why don't we know where he's from 
Oh, well, I'll let you tell me. Well, I don't, we don't know a lot about his origin story. This next line might make it a little more clear for you why okay, we don't okay. know. He came to Chicago in the late 19th century, conning consumers at the World Columbian Exposition, which was the first world fair we had here in Chicago. So he was a con man. Oh, he's like the guy from The Room. I don't know what that is. It's that movie, The Room, that's like really, really bad. It's like kind of like the most famous bad movie. I think James Franco and Seth Rogen put out a movie about the making of The Room. But the whole point is that the guy's kind of a con man. And we don't know where the money he, he had to finance this film came from. Interesting. I will mm-hmm. check that out. Well, he earned employment as a bartender at Toronto Gyms in a book called Gem of the Prairie, An Informal History of Chicago's Underworld, author Herbert Asbury depicts both Finn and the establishment saying, but he was too tough and belligerent for a notorious hangout of hoodlums and desperados. He was always fighting and was at length fired after he knocked out a man's eye with a bung starter. Do you know what a bung starter is? I couldn't even begin to guess. It was a mallet employed when tapping wooden kegs. Oh, and he no- Okay. Oh, I know exactly what that is because I've been to the Renaissance Fair. Okay. I think he, that's where I saw it. I had to look it up because I was like, how did this happen? So, yeah, he got fired from his job as a bartender in one of the vice districts in Chicago because he couldn't stop fighting and he knocked out a patron's eye. That's where we're at with Mickey Finn so far. Also, quick note about the book. I found out today that they renamed it The Gangs of Chicago because Herbert Asbury also wrote The Gangs of New York. So Mm. they reprint and renamed it, which is only probably interesting to me because I tried to buy it in the old title and it was like $100. Do you think that's kind of opportunistic? I kind of don't like that. I don't like it because how would I know if I didn't go to the History Museum? Like, Well, exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. And also it's like, listen, you... The great part of discovering someone through a great piece of work is like some of the little stuff they did before they took off. You don't have to match them. Right. I feel, yeah, it was a weird revelation, but I did order the book today for $8.99. So there we have it. Fantastic. And if anyone is having like a garage sale and happens upon a copy, I I feel like Alyssa will slide you something that is less than $100, maybe more than eight. Yeah. Because it's going to be an important book for this podcast. Mm-hmm. But back to the bung starter and just the sheer aggression of that. I mean, can we at least make America gladiatorial again? <laughs> oh, I don't. I think we are. We're already headed there right now. I mean, it is end times. I think it's going to look a little different. But my friend Max has been saying for years that we are in end times. And I'm always like, yeah, it feels like it, right? But then just very recently, with these flying objects and the state of the world, I am thinking we are in end times and things, we will reach our, our gladiator age. It's just going to look different. I don't want to be a bummer, but did you pay attention to the MSU shooting? I did see a little bit about that, yeah. There were kids and first responders who were at, a little over a year ago, the first school shooting in Michigan. Yeah, and there was a girl from Sandy Hook yes. as well. Yes. I know. Like, that's end times right there. 
Yeah, it is. It's crazy that there's been no movement on that, except for maybe, I guess you could say, Alex Jones being held accountable. But we'll see how that shakes out in the end. But yeah, no, it's it's crazy. They, one of the things that I read was that these kids were like kind of knew how to do the active shooter thing because mm-hmm. they've been trained on how to do that since elementary school. They've they've been in these drills their whole life. It's crazy. I mean, it's just all right. I don't want to go down too much of a hole on that one because it. Oh, we can talk about it after. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So in '96, our friend Mickey Finn opened the Lone Star Cafe and Palm Garden, an establishment described by a cop as a "quote unquote" low dive. This was demonstrated by it being a black and tan bar. No, that is not a reference to the Irish drink, but the fact that they served blacks, whites, and immigrants, which, because of racism, at the time was the hallmark of the bottom of the barrel. Alyssa, can I give you some real truth here? Yeah. about my experiences in Chicago. Listen, I know I'm I'm a Boston girl who lives in California now, just so everyone knows. I've been to Chicago a handful of times, mostly in what I would call like my drinking era. Like okay. when I would go some t- sometime for like a weekend somewhere and I'd just spend most of it sort of like blackout drunk. With, not I don't blackout, but like very drunk with my friends just walking around and causing, you know, slight harmless mayhem i gotta be real with you chicago is i think known for in or known for by me as being a place that is very divey or very bougie so what do you think like how divey are we talking well let's get into the story and it becomes clear okay and i love a good dive bar i also wanted to point out too and i don't know how bars are in boston or were in boston but back in the day You had your Irish bar, your Polish bar, your Lithuanian bar. And I think you get the picture. And really, heaven help you if you stumbled into the wrong bar. Like, you were not going to be a Lithuanian in the Polish bar. Yeah. Yeah. So, now I got to tell you, this story now gets to the point where it reminds me of the bar scene at Les Mis. Are you familiar with it? Yeah. No, I'd be lying to you. That's a lie I've told my whole life. But for the sake of your podcast, I'll be honest. I've I've intentionally avoided that that play, that movie, my whole life, and I don't know why. I did for a really long time, and then I saw it, and now I love it. The movie or the play? The play, and the movie's pretty good too. Yeah, I think I had a friend who was mean to me who used to wear that like that famous Les Mis shirt that like everyone who saw the play had, and so I kind of. Like it's it's a it's a personal thing. It's a blockage that I need to work on probably in therapy. But yeah, I imagine it was bad. They were all poor in that movie, right? Yes, they were all poor. And there's a scene where the rich guy, John Valjean, goes in to get this little orphan girl and uh, they're just ripping people off left and right. So back to Mickey Finn. He maintained some side hustles, such as fencing stolen items and running a school for potential pickpockets. Primarily, prostitutes. In addition, yeah. In addition to himself and his wife, Kate Roses, his bartender, nicknamed the Patsy, rounded out the faculty. So, have you ever been pickpocketed? No, but I'm I'm very conscious of it, and I like not that it's any. I'm not to victim blame, 
But like, I'm very aware, like when we're in like Vegas or something, I always tell my male friend to put his wallet in his front pocket. And, uh, you know, I've been to Europe enough times and grew up in the 80s when everyone would tell you if you go to just a matter of time before you get robbed in Europe, that was sort of the attitude. So no, I haven't, but I certainly have tried not to as well. Well, when I moved to Chicago, my dad warned me umpteen times about being pickpocketed. And it has happened to me twice. Is that good or bad? Well, I've gotten smarter. I've got to say, the first time, it was me being dumb. The second time, these people were pros. Like, I can spot a pickpocket in a bar in a second now, just knowing how they operate. They mm-hmm. were pros, and there's nothing you can do if you, to stop it. It, like, can happens describe, before. Describe pickpocket pickpocket behavior to me like what would you see someone do when you're like they're here to pick the pockets well what they do they go into a bar when it's full and pretend like they're looking for a seat at the bar okay but meanwhile they're just picking the pockets are they like bumping into people a lot well it's a full bar so it's like you just don't you're not aware of it Mm -hmm. unless you know to watch them so the first time when i got pickpocketed the second time we were at a bar and this couple came in and they were kind of bebopping their way down the bar and then they just left. Like, that's how quick they were in and out. And my roommate just turns to me. She's like, check your wallet. Where, how was your purse situated? It was on the back of the chair. Mm. You got to keep a cross body. That thing does not leave my body the entire time. But I did I did try on some Ugg boots at Nordstrom earlier this year. And if you're a size eight in women's, you can get the kids, big big kid size six. Just a shout out to anyone who likes to, to do a deal. It's like $100 less. But I left my purse on the little like bench at Nordstrom. And I like walked over to pick out an issue. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, how, why are you just leaving your, we used to just, I mean, I feel like it was faster and looser with purses in our, in our younger years. Like my grandmother would just leave her purse in the front of the grocery cart and go like get a different can of green beans or something. Yeah, I don't do that anymore. No, I know. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't victim blaming you. Oh no. I mean, it was one of those things, but it's like. It's a weird thing to notice because now if I see it, I saw somebody at the same bar a little bit later and I'm like, check your wallet. It was gone. I will say, I know, I like that you got that full circle moment where you learned a lesson and then were able to teach someone else. But I also like that you saw like a couple do it because that's, I, I do love a couple that steals together. Right. It's kind of like, it's, I mean, it's a little like romantic. It's also sad. Maybe you'll be getting to this, but what's the deal with pickpocketing now? Like, is it mostly for people who, like, need drug money, or is this a lifestyle, or is it a thrill? I don't know. I didn't pay a lot of attention. I just sort of looked it up to see if it was still happening. And there's a lot of coaching videos about it on YouTube. Oh, okay. I'll be watching that. Maybe link a fun one in the episode description. Just not telling you what to do, but that would be like a fun. If I was listening, I'd want to see a video. I'll I'll look for a video. Like in the world of like SFB and the crypto bros, you got to celebrate scoundrels excitedly executing an in-person effort. 
Yep. Make assailants great again. Yeah, I actually agree with you. And I and I will say I'm I am lenient on women in crime. I'm kind of more lenient because men do crime all the time when a woman does crime. I don't know. I think that in a way that's equality. That's the true definition of equality. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. <laughs> Back to Mickey Finn, because it just keeps getting worse. Streetwalkers, known at the bar as house girls, served beer and whiskey to Lone Star Cafe and Palm Gardens patrons. I read that they flirted with the boozers to get them to drink more, but that doesn't seem notable. That seems like that's their job. Yeah, but it is a little bit of that thing where hmm, I go back and forth on it because, yes, but also if you've ever worked in, have you worked in waitressing? That was the question I was going to ask you. Yes, I have been a server, a bartender, and a cater waiter. So, yeah, I grew grew up working for my mom's catering company. Like, I was working at 12 years old, you know, like a good Irish girl. And then I waited at a steakhouse in college. And one of the first things they drove home to us when I was waiting tables was like, yes, it is tempting to bring them that fourth bottle of $200 wine. It is very tempting to do that. But you have to take a real surveil of if there's a DD, if... Like there seems someone who like because in Massachusetts, I believe if you overserve someone and they get a DUI, you can also be charged for the DUI. That's the way it is here, too. Yeah. So I think in some ways, yeah, that might be the case. Like you always want your customers to buy more. I'd be more pushing apps and desserts, you know. True. But they didn't have that here. Sure. 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 They have beer and whiskey. <laughs> and free peanuts, probably. I do- because <laughs> oh. I'm just going to read you this this little bit, and you can decide for yourself if they had peanuts. In 1898, <laughs> Come on. in 1898, Finn met Dr. Hall, a voodoo doctor. Specializing in love potions, he paddled at broady houses and distributing coke and morphine to drug addicts. So, a dope dealer. Great guy. Great guy. I would love to see like a modern day drug dealer claim that they're actually voodoo doctors and invoking their religious freedom. And then I thought about that and I'm like, it's probably going to happen next week. Oh, I think that is happening. Like, I think things like that are, I mean, like, I'll just tell you, I used to buy my mushrooms from a shaman named Katie. So, like, I'll just tell you, and I think there's versions of that 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 have happened in the past. But and also in my like not so, you know, maybe a few years back, I might have paid a visit to my shaman friend, Katie, who I uh, would pass money through a mailbox in okay. exchange for a chocolate bar of mushrooms. But yeah, like, you know, sure. Yeah, I think there's spiritual advisors peddling. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So Finn obtained a brown bottle filled with some sort of white stuff. That's a quote which most people think was the sedative hydrate chloral. Okay. From Gem of the Prairie again. Mickey Finn invented two knockout drinks, of which he was inordinately proud. One was called the Mickey Finn Special, compounded of raw alcohol, water in which snuff had been soaked, 
and a liberal portion of Dr. Hall's mixture. The other, called number two, was beer dosed with the white stuff and further fortified by a dash of snuff water. I did some research because I was really hoping snuff water wasn't what I thought it was. Sure. You would you would hope that, right? Yeah. I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. So he hung a sign behind the bar which read, Try a Mickey Finn special, while demanding that the house girls suggest to sell the concoction to every man they serve. Do you mind if I ask this about the house girls? Because I'm wondering. Mm -hmm. So was he a little bit of a pimp? He might have been. They don't get into that. Okay. They don't get into that. Well, maybe the next part will clarify why he might not have been. And we can talk about it after that. Sure. Okay. (laughs) If strangers happened to be at the Lone Star when a man succumbed to one of Mickey Finn's paralyzing potions, the victim slumbered, derbed in his chair until they had gone or had themselves been doped. This is all from the gem of the prairie. The okay. Patsy and house girls dragged him into one of the two small rooms in the rear of the Palm Garden, which Finn called his operating rooms. The actual robbing was done by Finn and Kate Roses. But first, curiously, Finn always put on a derby hat and a clean white apron. Okay. So it, like, oh, is he going to steal organs? No, not organs. Oh, okay. He probably okay, wouldn't okay. now. <laughs> okay, good. No, he probably wouldn't right, now. Right. Okay. I okay. don't think they had organs. This is the early, late 1800s. They didn't have organ donation They didn't then. even know about organs. I don't know then. what they knew medically, but probably not. Okay. But I do love that he put on a white apron. It does give the organ thing. It also oh. feels polite. It's yeah. like maybe the most respectful thing he did was like you put on a clean white apron, you know. Because next, he stripped the men searching for a money belt, emptying every pocket of any valuable. Shit. Sometimes he kept their finer garments and gave them his castoffs. Okay, so like he'd switch out and be like, like, take my leather jacket. Yours is nicer. Well, they're passed out, so he doesn't really suggest it. He just does it. That was like the co- conversation he was having in his head. Yeah, that's, that's what I, yeah. Was, yeah. I was. I was speaking from the interior of his mind. Yeah, sorry. His yeah. subtext, which is silent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And then usually they left the marks passed out in the alley and they'd wake up about 12 hours later confused. Oh, they probably all thought they were serious. I mean, they might have been, but they probably all blamed themselves. And like when the program finally came around, they were first. I mean, it. sometimes I read things and I'm like, wow, I can understand why prohibition happened. Yeah, I understand. I understand it, too. I mean, I go back and forth. Like, funny that you even mentioned this. Malcolm Gladwell, I, I saw a clip of him on the Joe Rogan podcast claiming that the first recorded in- instance of someone blacking out was a guy in the 1950s. And I was like, there's no way they didn't even have TV like in the 1800s. They All they had is like beer, mead, 
like raw alcohol. Like they were drunk all the time. Plus, are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. It was cold. They were drunk all the time. Yeah. So they probably were just thinking to themselves, like, wow, man, I really fucked up. And... Some of this drug stuff may have gone way above their heads. Who would have even thought? Although I will say, and I want to know about this, Chicago is like the biggest Coke city ever. Like, I, it's like there's cocaine everywhere in Chicago. Like, is this, is this might be, might that be a remnant of the, the Mickey days? I don't know about that. There is a remnant of the Mickey days, though. And. Okay. We're not even at the weirdest part of the story. Okay, sorry. No, I'm just, i I didn't think about that, but we were definitely were a drinking and still are a drinking town. Sometimes mm-hmm. crew held them on the floor. These are the victims of the back room, kicking them out the next morning. Don't okay. have any reason why they chose one or the other. So remember the house girls? Yes. All right. They were in on the scam and collecting a percentage of the tape. Two of them were Dummy Fifi and Gold Tooth Mary. Now, Fifi got her nickname Iconic. because... <laughs> That's, that is the best friend's Halloween costume if I've ever heard, heard of one. Like, that is absolutely who you should be going as for Halloween. That's great. Oh, my God, I think I might. That's the best. I like I, th- just the names themselves. Like, who knows what these women looked like? I don't know if there's an old photograph of them somewhere. but. Wow. Like, what What a rich history there is there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, Fifi got her nickname because, and this is from, I have to quote this from the Gem of the Prairie, because I don't know what it means. I mean, exactly. 
she scarcely had any of her buttons. Oh, wait a minute. So do you think, okay, wait a minute. Oh, let me look this. Do you mind if I look that up? Because I wonder if it means like like the buttons. Remember how like garments back then would have like a whole row of buttons because it was pre-zipper? Oh, but it clearly referring to her as being dumb. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes, I mean, she is dummy Fifi. Yeah. Okay. Where's the Fifi from? I don't know. And it's spelled F-F-Y-F-F-E. Okay. Well, you go, girl. You go, dummy Fifi. (laughs) And Gold Tooth Mary, whose single tooth was, well, gold. She didn't just only have one. Yes. I thought maybe she had like a, a stray gold tooth. Oh, her only tooth was gold. Oh, that is. Wow. I mean, these are. Yeah, these are not. I mean, they could be, they could be working girls. There's someone who might like that. But these are not the luxurious queens I was imagining. Nicole. <laughs> OK. OK. Well. Yep. You know. Yeah. Okay. They were terrified of Finn and both testified before the Aldermatic Graft Commission. Goldtooth told of a victim waking up and demanding his money back, who was later found by the railroad decapitated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pretty serious business. Pretty serious business. She said of her former employer, when I saw his wife, put the drugged liquor to the lips of the men. I could not stand it as bad as I am. Mm. That's interesting because like it, it, the thing that does make it feel like a slight version of pimping is that they were terrified of him and mm-hmm. they just like probably felt like they couldn't get out of the game. They'd seen too much. They had seen too much. And I think they got rolled for prostitution, which is why they cooperated. Got it. Got um, it. Yeah. So you might be wondering, how are people going killed and getting robbed left and right and all this stuff? And no one seems to care. Well, according to Goldtooth, Finn was paying off the cops and the aldermen. Of course. They've always (laughs) been dirty. They've always been dirty. Well, yes, they've always been dirty. So here's the thing. I'm going to just for pod listeners who don't know. In the city of Chicago, we call our city council people aldermen, and they oversee wards. At any given time, I would say since the beginning of Chicago, there is always at least one alderman under indictment. To the point where in Chicago, when we have conversations about aldermen that got arrested, we sometimes have to make sure we're talking about the same one. Okay, okay, yes. All right, so what's the common crime now? Like financial Financial, my favorite common crime right now, there's one that's indicted and he's going to court and he's basically been under investigation like since before I was born. And what he does, he was also a tax attorney. So he would shake down people for their tax business to get their licensing. Okay. All right. Yeah. Wow. There was another alderman who was in trouble for taking bribes, particularly like extorting Viagra from people. Okay. (laughs) That's so pathetic. (laughs) 
And, and he had to wear a wire, so he cooperated with the feds, and he's the one that brought down Ed Burke. So Which it, one was Ed Burke? Ed Burke was the one that was a tax here in Chicago. Oh, so like a really like kind of good guy who just got wrapped up in some bad stuff, right? <laughs> he, he inherited the chair, the, the being an alderman, from his dad in the 1960s. Feels illegal. Are these not elected officials? They just, he, he gets real. He got indicted and he got reelected. What's the deal? Oh, I could go into the I will go into the corruption of Chicago at some at different points in time because it's it's too complex to get into too much of a diversion right here. I but, think it's safe to say you'll spend a lot of time in that area. Over yeah. Of course, this podcast. <laughs> it's what makes almost researching a podcast like so difficult is because there's so many different overlaying corruption where you're like, I'm reading about all Ed Burke. And then I'm like, and then this other player from another, like the, all these realms just show up and you're like, oh, of course that person's involved in this story. I totally know what you mean, like the unweaving of history. It, I really was. my In my U.S. states history book, I'll never forget how much I was like, and this motherfucker's in this chapter, too. And then I remember people like Joe Biden showing up and we didn't even know he'd be vice president yet. But like these people are around for a long time and it's mm -hmm. crazy. So like this is a very web you've had to weave in order to avoid a million tangents. And I appreciate you. I try, I try, and I just make a list list of it, and I'm like, well, when I do the Mayor Daily, that'll be like an eight-parter. So it's worth noting that the aldermen in, it was called Ward 1, which was the ward where the bar was, are in the history of not just Chicago, but the state of Illinois, in the top 10 of the most corrupt politicians. Okay. That's really bad. That's bad. Yeah, that's really bad. That's like quite a list to be on. <laughs> they're three and four. So I don't remember who one and two are. Okay. But they're three and four. And we've had like five governors go to jail. Wow. I mean, I will say, I will say that that's, I'm glad I, I'm glad I'm from Massachusetts. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't think I would have had political aspirations at all. If I, grew, if I grew up in Chicago. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And it was funny. So I lived in Orange County for a little bit and I was hanging out with a friend and he was telling me like about how like the mayor of Corona or one of those, you know, not quite Orange County cities got indicted. And I'm just like, so. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, that just happens, right? Yeah, at this point, you should have to, I mean, I don't even know what kind of test you'd put people through to see if they could pass to, I mean, maybe that is the test. It's like, hey, do you do crime? All right, you can, you can run a ward. They are getting better, I think. Well, that's good. Yeah. I don't, it takes a lot to keep up with it. I can only imagine. I mean, so like, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, because I mean, I know Beyonce has mentioned wards in Houston is like a ward essentially like a like a small area within the city like the way that like Southie is an area of, of Boston or is it like what classifies something as a ward so a ward is a small area in the city that 
is all right. So I'm going to explain this this way, like because I've lived in different places and different places handle municipalities differently. Chicago is a very big city. Like it's not when when we talk about Chicago, we're talking about the city, and it's got 26 miles of lakefront property. So, for example, Los Angeles area, you could have you have Beverly Hills and Hollywood, and they all have their own things. A ward would be like a Beverly Hills. Got it. Okay, so it's like a different section, essentially, yes. of the city. Because all of those are like towns kind of within the city. Yes. So some places just have towns within the city. We have wards, and the whole city is one big city. So is like the south side of Chicago, when people reference that, are they, is that a whole last ward, or is that just a geographical mention? It's a geographical mention, and then they could mention the specific ward that is in that that covers there's different wards because it's a big area to cover okay and by the way apologies to anyone who's like jesus christ molly but here's the thing i i gotta ask because one i want to know about chicago and two everywhere's different right. you know everywhere's so different so this is like this is part of like something i'm really enjoying learning about now i'm gonna feel smarter and go walk around talking about the chicago wards as if i read that myself in a book so thank you for empowering me with that knowledge you're welcome or like michigan where i'm from they have small municipalities so like detroit proper is one area but it's like then it's everywhere that they say that they're from detroit it's all just a bunch of different i don't want to say small towns but smaller towns what would eight mile be considered? Eight mile is I pretty sure Detroit proper. Okay, so which is a section, right? Of that, okay. Like we have Skid Row, where there's no like oh like thing where it's other than that's the name of the street. No, it's not the name of the street. I don't think. But like, okay, I think I know what you mean, and I'm not comparing Eight Mile to Skid Row. I'm just trying to think of an area in LA that's like not a town, but everyone knows it, or like South Central. That's like I, oh, I think that, no, is it? No, it's not. You're right. It's not a town. You're right. It's a collection of sort of an area. Mm -hmm. oh, you can hear me? I, I can hear you now. Yes. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so they kind of like a collection of an area. Like I understand what you mean. Okay. Okay. So, all right. Now we got to get back to Mickey Finn. Um, most likely because he was paying off Alderman, he got tipped off and. The raid on the Lone Star came up empty. So all the commission could do was revoke his liquor license. If Mickey, only he had something more potent to surf. <laughs> well, from Ashby's book, Mickey Finn left Chicago for a few months and returned in the summer of 1904. Several years later, he tended bar in a resort on South Dearborn Street. Meanwhile, he sold the formula of his special to half a dozen ambitious dive keepers, and the potion was known throughout the underworld as simply a Mickey Finn. The name swiftly emerged as slang for a sedative substance. This is, however, not where our story ends. I do like that he did distribution. People go on Shark Tank for that. He did distribution. Yeah. And I was able to find from the Chicago Tribune an extra extra where he got arrested during Prohibition. Okay. And that's yeah. the last I know. Oh, so back to the alderman. 
the two uh-huh. aldermen I was mentioning, Al Capone worked for them at one point in time. Worked for them? Uh-huh. What do you mean? Like, what he's so I know Al Capone's a gangster, right? Why but would as, he be working for the cops? For the aldermen? Yeah, the aldermen are like, well, yeah. oh, those are the governors, right? The city council people, yes. Okay, okay. Because um, they were that corrupt. Oh, they had a lot of other side hustles going on. What? Can you just give me a little example? I know. And I'm going to research, I'm researching this. One of them created a zoo park in Colorado Springs with stuff from the World Fair. Like they were just like, a lot of hustles. They were stealing zebras and stuff. They didn't steal zebra, but they may or may not have purchased a drunk elephant. Oh, that's sad. Oh, that's sad. Isn't there like, aren't there bars called the, oh, drunk elephants, an expensive skincare line. Yes, yes. I, 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 I Googled that and that was what came up. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right. So so sorry to I just wanted to know what else kind of what other kind of things they had their hands in. They had their hands on everything. So we have no idea where Mickey is. Well, I mean he's dead, but he went to jail and I don't know. That's someone end- must have snuffed them. I'm betting they did. I mean, the newspaper's kind of hard to read back in the early 1900s. Mm. The it's sort of like reading a really small town newspaper because it's so specific where it's just like well everyone knows this no need to cite right right yeah no backstory no nothing which gets us to the next part of the story how did mickey finn go from a dive bar distributor to lyrics in a musical about adorable orphans this is where the story really takes a turn In the summer of 1918, a food poisoning epidemic exploded amongst patrons at upmarket hotels and private clubs. After a plethora of their prosperous patrons were intestinally impacted at the swanky Hotel Sherman, they employed a private detective who discovered that the front of house staff, that's lingo for bartenders and servers for anyone who doesn't know, yeah. Purchased pouches containing white powder at 20 cents a pop, which would be about $4.33 by today's standards. When the substance was ingested, it induced issues, shall we say. They targeted terrible tipping Chicago elites. So, like, they'd make you shit your brains out? Yes, if, if you, you didn't were a tip- bad tipper. Yes. Oh, that is some nice petty revenge. I mean, you can really, that's a really bad way. Like, you don't want to be getting arrested for, like, if you work at Denny's and, like, some family tips you, like, you know, fails to tip you. But there's some, you know, there's plenty. Of, I mean, it's the old eye drops in the coffee thing. Yeah. Yeah. So they were doing that. But the street name of the drugs, all of the drugs were in these little pouches. The Mickey Finn. But why? Like, did Mickey shit himself a lot, too? Or was it just that he was, like, a, the drug guy? He was the drug guy. I don't know that it was okay. the same drugs, but they just knew that that was his legend. Roughly 100 people were arrested. See, if someone had done that to me, I wouldn't even have the balls to say anything. 
I'd be like, first of all, I tip badly. Second of all, everyone in town saw me shit myself. Like, I'm just going to let this one slide. Well, I think it was just happening with so much frequency. And it was happening to, like, the elites in Chicago. Mm. And it, I couldn't pull it together, but it may or may not have killed someone. Yeah, you shit too much, you're going to die sometimes. Massive yeah. dehydration. Yeah. So I don't know roughly the scope of it, but, you know, what I want to say here is I think that they did some damage. And I want to say step aside, Rajanishi, disgruntled waiters in Chicago might take the trophy. Absolutely. But wait, so like the little girls and Annie were saying that they were going to have Miss Hannigan shit herself profusely. Wow. Okay. Well, you know what? They are, they did have to learn how to be streetwise at a young age. So, but I am disappointed that they had to learn all that. Yes. That's, that's what it came to mean. It became part of the the mass lexicon was Mickey Finn from these waiters. So that's so interesting because it is the, it's the truth of everything, right? It's like, I'm sure when Mickey Finn was running his bar, he didn't have gold tooth Mary and, dummy Fifi walking around, you know, like, I guess I'll just say like, they probably weren't like the highest end clientele. They were probably just ripping off whoever they could who had enough money to drink, which I think probably was even of its time. Like maybe you were middle-class, right? If you could afford to go out and binge mm-hmm. drink every night. But when it happens to the rich people in like literally such a less significant way, Right. That's when everything changes. And that's why it's called that. That's nuts. Because, I mean, I know that it was called Mickey Finn when they were, when he was doing his licensing and distribution deal, (laughs) which might have been his biggest mistake was putting his name directly on it. That's all. That's the sort of like dumb ego of a con man, though. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. I mean, you know what? I would have thought that maybe if I if I had to guess, it might have been something what I was going to like something similar to what I would have put together. But that is I mean, especially knowing Goldtooth Mary and Dummy Fifi, I want to know more about. Do you know anything more about his wife, though? Because I am into. Yeah. And as I said, couples that do this kind of stuff together, but also, you know, minus the obvious sex trafficking, it's the Jeffrey Ghislaine of it all like when a couple does something like this together it's like there's something very interesting about sick couples that commit crimes together i do not know i don't even know if she stuck around i've got to tell you i found a daily beast article about this and an article about articles about mickey finn coming back to town but i could only find one book that really outlined the story for me so it was not a lot written. And, and I went to the History Museum today and they had the same one book. I wonder if he has any. There's no way that he's got like a loose. He had like a loose child or something running around. Right. Like there's no way that does he have surviving relatives, do you think, in the U.S.? I don't know. It's going to it would be hard to tell, especially since we don't know whatever happened to his body. But wow, I mean, that that's a fascinating story. I mean, you know, honestly, I'm going to be thinking about this a lot. This is really going to sit with me. I, I really mean, appreciate you for telling me this. <laughs> well, so, yeah, this isn't even the first time that 
people have po- anarchists have poisoned people in Chicago. So it's a kind of a thing for a while, I guess. Wow, that's this is fa- this is fascinating. I'm I'm honored that you took the time to tell me this lovely story, and I actually just can't wait to hear what else. What the hell's going on in Chicago, man? Well, it's crazy, but I do have some thoughts, some closing thoughts on this. Okay. 2022 brought us labor shortages, which conservatives blamed on people not wanting to work. Quiet quitting, perennial arguments about tips and Starbucks unions. As I write this, politicians and pundits argue about minimum wage and paid sick leave, to which I say, at least no one is trying to fucking poison you. Well, I think people would argue that they might be. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's the microplastics, you know what I mean? It's different now. It is different. My, like, the people who prescribe my, or give me my, like, distribute my prescriptions, and it's what I have to use, they sent me a pill, like, destroyer, basically, and that's because there's so many people have medications that they either flush or throw out in the trash that all of our water has like a low grade of a mixture of pharmaceuticals in it. That's delightful. Isn't that exciting? Well, I mean, I'm just hoping one day I get the right batch. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, exactly. Well, in general, you know, people clutching their pearls and talking about the moral decline and rising crime in 2023 need to know that at one point in time in cities, they had areas known as vice districts where a man could cause another man to lose an eye and become a job creator. Because we do not know our history, our biggest moral outrages are M&Ms, Sam Smith, and Rihanna. We are not living in unprecedented times. Shit has been fucked up since forever. Make acquirement great again. That's a $5 word for learning. <laughs> I I, lo- I love this. And yeah, I mean, M&M's does seem to need to cool it. I don't know what the hell's going on at cool. the M&M factory, but no, I mean, this is not, it's nothing like what you just told me about. So right. Yeah, you're right. And people were so much more savage back then because they didn't have all the, you know, you couldn't just like dock someone or like fuck with their bank account the same way. Like you had to be really creative and dirty about your crimes. And I will, you know, I will say, Mickey Finn, I will give you, you know, wherever you are right now, I will give you some props for ingenuity. I don't like what you did, but you do get some props for ingenuity from me. So, yeah. There you go. So, any final thoughts? I mean, there's just always more to know. Like, I'm definitely going on a deep dive about this. Absolutely. I mean, even more than what you... I'll, I'll be thinking about this for a really long time. I just want to let you know that this will be... Something that pops up in my head when I'm sitting in traffic. You know, this is definitely something that's going to sit with me. Final thoughts. I mean, you know, watch your drink when you go out. There's all sorts of inventions for that now. So if you're out drinking, you know, obviously we all know the bigs. Like, never leave your drink unattended. Uh, You know, don't be waving your drink around around people you don't know. But they make a lot of cool drink covers now that just like have room for a straw. So look into that, please. Do not like let's do our best to protect ourselves because evil people still exist and they may not be. I don't know. I'd say overtly barbaric. But, you know, we're dealing with the fentanyl crisis in America right now, too. And it makes me sort of think of a little bit of that, where it's like you kind of never know what you're getting. Like, it's not a safe time to be fucking around with stuff you don't know about. 
Right. Am I allowed to swear on here? Is it Absol- too late to ask that? I, I swore. <laughs> okay, good. I just wanted to make sure. I'm like, before you wrap the episode, you should ask if you can swear. Alyssa, I can, like, can't wait to hear the rest of your show. Like, this is so exciting. And I, I really want to, like, you know, thank you for being with us at the Solid Listen Network. And I'm just really, yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, I run Solid Listen, which is the network that this fabulous podcast is going to be premiering on. And when I did a shout out to the audience on Trend Lightly saying, if anyone has a podcast idea, let me know. Alyssa was the first person that I met with out of that round of sort of open calls. And I was like, it's going to, this is going to be a good day. This is going to be a good experience because I mean, just how cool to have like a tour guide from Chicago who has like the most alluring, interesting voice that feels like you have a voice like family. Do you know what I mean? So I just, I just want to say that like, I'm really excited for the rest of your journey and I'm already your biggest fan. Oh yeah. I I buy a t-shirt. I don't know about that yet. Maybe I'll help you. You'll help me. So tell people where they can find you on the interwebs. For sure. So I am not really active on Instagram, but I am malls on Instagram and Twitter. You can listen to my podcast, Trend Lightly, which I host with my friend Tiffany Scott Maddox. That's about trending topics. Basically, it's a good way to catch up on everything that you missed online last week or that you loved online last week. So it's a really good way that your like, you know, Gen Z family members won't make fun of you when you don't know what's going on or if you want to hear people who are also extremely online discuss things. And I have a podcast called Mother May I Sleep a Podcast that is a, re- a real deep dive. When I say deep dive, strap in for like three hours, baby. Um, People like that length for some reason. But we talk about, we started out talking about Lifetime movies. I did about five or six years of that. And so weaving in some Law & Order SVU episodes. So if you like talking about crime, if you like actually treating Lifetime movies like real films, but also roasting them lovingly, that's that's available for you, too. And um, yeah, you can find me. You can probably find me any just in Glendale, California. If you just see me on, in Glendale, California, feel free to say hi. <laughs> there you go. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave a five star review. Hi. My name is Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And together, we run Buffering, a rewatch adventure, a family of podcasts moving through our favorite 90s genre television. If you're a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, well, great news for you. Our very first podcast adventure took us through all seven seasons of the series. We covered it spoiler-free, episode by episode. For those of you who want to start the show for the first time, you can find that podcast pretty easily. It's called Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Inside that podcast, you'll also find an original song that pairs with each glorious episode of Buffy and original character jingles for so many of our Buffy favorites. Buffering has been praised in places like Time, Esquire, Paste Magazine, and the New York Times, and we've chatted with dozens of cast members, writers, directors, and fans along the way. Come hang out and rewatch some of your favorite television with us and a wonderful community of listeners. Learn more at BufferingCast.com or find us on socials at BufferingCast.